0: Welcome to The Mindful Apprentice, brought to you by Swindon and Wiltshire Institute of Technology. In this podcast series, we want to share stories and information to help everyone make the apprenticeship a success, whether you're an employer or the apprentice. We've interviewed a wide range of apprentices, employers, specialists, charities, and clinicians to make this series. Wherever you're listening, we hope you'll find it helpful. i'm dominic arkwright in this program preparing for an apprenticeship we're going to go right back to the beginning here when you're thinking about what you might want to do and then putting in applications we'll start with anna morrison founder of amazing apprenticeships
1: if you're genuinely not sure and if you're really kind of like i don't know if i want to be a hairdresser or work in childcare or work as a nuclear scientist then i would recommend trying to get some work experience because you know, ideally, we want to help you get it right first time. So we want to try and get you into at least an employer that perhaps has got the potential to to expand your role into something that you might be interested in. So it's not untypical at all for... Um, individuals to reach out to employers and say, look, I'm trying to help decide what to do. Um, can you help me? Could I have some work experience? Could I come in and shadow an apprentice for a few hours? Could I come in and meet some of your apprentices and just have a chat with them? Um, I always say to individuals, "Kind of, you'll be amazed at how willing employers are to share their expertise and time and to help to guide you.
0: It might seem a bit daunting, but definitely worth doing, according to Meg Ginsberg, an apprentice project manager at Southwest Water.
2: The one thing I always say when I speak at schools is work experience is the biggest, biggest thing you can do to help you with your career. You know, reach out to companies, even if they don't have degree apprenticeships or any other level of apprenticeship that are sort of showing at the moment. If you reach out to a particular team that you're interested in, um, get yourself known, really be different, um, even if it's just a tour around their premises or could you please tell me a bit more about this project that you've worked on? That is all the sort of curiosity and wanting to learn that they want to see. And if you get a week's placement there for work experience as a year 10, that could potentially be your future team. They could be your future colleagues. So that will make you stand out because not everyone does that. Um, and I know a lot of friends who've actually had job offers straight away from the work experience experience.
0: Well, that doesn't happen to everyone, so you've got to be prepared for interviews, assessments and all the other stuff that comes with trying to land the right apprenticeship. We know how competitive they can be, so it's as well to prepare for a few rejections along the way. Olivia Skane is an apprentice at HM Land Registry and an apprenticeship ambassador in the East Midlands.
3: Especially in the apprenticeship application process, people need to understand that you might not necessarily get the first apprenticeship you've applied for because they're so competitive and you're up against some very experienced and talented individuals so don't take that rejection to heart because there's times where I didn't get the apprenticeship I wanted but then look at me now I've got the apprenticeship I wanted I've now been promoted and if it wasn't for my rejections in the past I wouldn't be in the position I am today so it's really important to be resilient and understand that you won't get Sometimes in life you don't get what you want to achieve, and that's okay.
0: And you may not get what you want several times. The message from Anna Morrison from Amazing Apprenticeships is, don't give up. She's inspired by one of the apprentices she met at an awards ceremony.
1: She had applied for 40 40 apprenticeships before she found this role. And it just... Was astounding, kind of to have that level of resilience to keep picking yourself up and trying again because it's hard, isn't it? If you get rejected for a job, job offer or, or if you don't um, hear back when you've participated in the recruitment process. But to show that level of determination to be able to get into an apprenticeship, um, I just thought, wow, that is incredible.
0: So, how does it look from the other side of the fence, the employer's side? Mark Bates is Early Careers Programme Manager at Nationwide Building Society, and he says the key is to learn from your failures. Don't take it
4: personal. Think about the areas that that didn't quite work on that time and then be prepared to, to go again. So what I mean by that is, for example, um, sometimes we have people apply for some of our development programmes and they don't get through the first time. They, 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 take, they get through the second or third time. And when I ask them, what did you do differently, is they say, oh... I looked at the feedback and why I didn't get through, and I've gone away and I've learned this subject, or I've gone and taken some work experience, so I had some good examples to take to my next interview, or I've um, I, I went and did some shadowing with somebody,
0: or I spoke to somebody, or I did some reading. So be well prepared for your interview and for any test or assessment you may have to do. A lot of these programs, the
4: first stage of application, tends to be online and automated, so. The first time you do an automated test, for example, whether it be a, a, num- a numbers test or a values test, don't make the first time you do it when you apply. Practice it first, so then when you're ready for it, you can just take it and it'll feel natural. So, so prepare and ask other people who've been through the programme how you can prepare
0: for the assessment, and then you'll increase your chances by three or fourfold. Mark Bates from Nationwide. Once you've got the job, it's a different type of preparation. First of all, it's a good idea to research the company and the job you're going to be doing. In fact, it's a mistake not to, according to Andrea Dodd, Managing Director at Performance Learning Group, which delivers apprenticeships and training to the hospitality industry.
3: So, before you start your first day within uh, whichever organization that might be is almost having kind of a a research of looking through exactly what you need to do or or what that business is around Um, some apprentices go into a role not even sort of googling um about that particular company they just know they're going in to do a, a, a cooking type of role. Um, so maybe if someone is going into looking at, um, going into a, a, a chefing kind of role or junior chef role, is start practising some bits and pieces at home. If you know full well what that business is doing and what food they offer, um, go out to that, that business. Go and eat in their, their restaurants or you know, go and have a look in their coffee shops and, and see what they do. Try and get the feel of the business and almost try and get the feel of an external person and how that business runs
0: And the same principle applies to other sectors. In an ideal world, your future employers would give you some information before you start. For example, about what to wear, what's going to be expected of you, any equipment you're going to need. But it doesn't always happen. Emily Hutchinson is a chartered occupational psychologist.
5: Don't necessarily expect it to be highly organised. I think that's the first point. So you may be disappointed if you're expecting that. I mean, really good workplaces would have everything organised, you'd have a schedule of stuff that you're going to be doing when you land. You'd probably, on that first day, generally have to sit through some kind of induction. So that would probably mean watching videos and films and um, guidance about health and safety and uh, HR, um, uh, various aspects, being given your IT access and all that kind of stuff. So you'd get set up on a workstation and potentially and uh, get an email address and all of that kind of thing, so all the technology stuff. So quite often when you start somewhere, you know, the first couple of days, you don't really do anything to do with the task or the the job. You're more getting settled into the organisation and also just meeting people. So, you know, meeting the other apprentices, meeting um, whoever's managing that, meeting various people that you'd be working with. So kind of saying hello to people, finding out where the canteen is, um, you know... You know, finding out where you put your mug if you're taking a your mug in, all of that kind of stuff. So I think the first couple of days tends to be that kind of thing. Now, as I said, some organisations or workplaces are not as organised as that. So sometimes I know people turn up on their first day, and um, you know, perhaps there isn't anything, and people are like a bit surprised that they've arrived, and they're like, "Oh right, I didn't realise you were starting today." And you might get that kind
0: of response. Not a good start, but be prepared for it so best to get some information before you turn up and if it's not offered then ask for it that's certainly the view of anna morrison from amazing apprenticeships
1: if your employer hasn't come forward with that information then don't be afraid to ask the questions to try and alleviate some of that anxiety i guess and of course nothing will prepare you like doing the job itself but i think reaching out to the employer and getting clear on clothing expectations, you know, so can I just ask, you know, what is the dress code? What's expected of me? Most employers should be clear um, either before you start or in your induction about some of those expected ways of working. You know, if you think any adjustments might need to be made for you, then Have that conversation with the employer before you start. Um, Employers are humans, you know, it, it kind of, it doesn't need to feel so scary, this transition from school or college into the workplace if it's your first job. You know, there will be lots of people who are there to help you. But they are not mind readers, and so employers don't know what you're worried about. So reaching out and just saying, can I have a chat? There's a few questions I'd like to go through before my first day. You know, they're going to they're gonna be fine with that, and they're going to want to help you. So I think my advice would be to ask. If you're not sure about something, ask. Reach out to your employer, um, and I'm sure they will be more than willing to uh, provide some guidance for you.
0: But it's not just the employers who need to be giving you information. Schools and colleges should be doing it too, according to Jordan Keane, Deputy Head for Apprenticeships at South Devon College.
6: I think it's about employability skills and I think there's a big gap in the in year 10 upwards in schools at the moment where they're not necessarily getting the employability skills that they need to. Um, and I think further education colleges and providers and people that... that live and breathe apprenticeships are looking at that and how we can better manage employability skills and making sure that somebody is employer ready and that they really do understand what what's going to happen when they go to work that you know it's not like at school where you can if you walk up 10 minutes late you might get a detention if you walk up 10 minutes late into your first day at work it's going to be more ramifications than that and you know that's something that you need to kind of consider and need to be work ready with so i think there's a big kind of gap there at the moment with schools and actually making people employer ready
0: so employers schools and colleges should be working together to help apprentices sam bishop is a performance psychologist and runs a company called sam bishop coaching and development
7: so are the educational environments, are the employers and are the apprentices aligned and working together in preparation for before the pre- apprenticeship even starts to give the apprentice the information that they need, the details that they need. There have been times, and it, it's sad to say this, but there have been times where I've worked with groups of apprentices that are maybe eight to 10 weeks into their programme and they feel very frustrated because they feel like they weren't giving enough detail or they haven't been set clear expectations or they feel like things have been in you know, a a bit disorganized as they've approached or entered their apprenticeship program. And that can lead to feelings of frustration, disappointment, and that will be working against them, getting the best out of themselves. Because rather than really setting themselves up for success, attacking their apprenticeship with high levels of energy and optimism and enjoyment, sometimes what we can see is that if that pre-work isn't done by all three of them, then actually what can happen is those early stages of the apprenticeship journey can become quite quite negative or, or low feelings of disappointment. Appointment.
0: Rob Wheeler is link governor at Swindon and Wiltshire Institute of Technology, which takes great steps to prepare apprentices. I know there are some programs that are run out of a number of colleges and IOTs that
4: look to prepare young people for employment. And I and I'm working on the basis that they would prepare them well in the context of timekeeping and dress code and behaviours. I think employers have also got a part to play. Uh, really understanding where these people have come from and actually, you know, be gentle but firm, if that makes sense, in terms of that transition. Be clear about expectations of timekeeping um, and dress code and behaviours in the workplace, what is appropriate and what's
0: not appropriate. Timekeeping, dress code, behaving properly in a workplace and perhaps planning your routes to work and your training provider – all things you should be thinking about and preparing for before you turn up on day one. Jordan Keane from South Devon College again.
6: If my work day starts at nine, I need to be on site ready to work at nine, not rolling through the door at one minute to nine and I've got to go and put me put me work uniform on or I've got to go to the toilet first or I've got to go and out make me coffee or whatever it might be. If, if you start at nine, you start at nine. So you, you're ready to go at nine o'clock and I think, you know, there's at school people will will roll up one minute before their lesson starts and sit down and just go with it um and even if they roll up five minutes late there's there's never when i was in school there was never many ramifications for that it was oh don't do it again um and it's about understanding that you can't do that in the workplace um and that is something that you need to kind of you, know, you hear the stories from university when people are so hungover they don't go to their lecture the next day. You, you can't do that at work, unfortunately. That's, that's part of being employed. Um, you're, being, you're being paid to be at work, but you're also being paid to be an apprentice. Um, so I think it's just about understanding those kind of what an employer expects.
0: So the message is, like a good Boy Scout, be prepared. Next time we'll be giving tips on how to make a success of your apprenticeship once you're there. Until then, I'm Dominic Arkwright. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to this edition of The Mindful Apprentice. We hope you found something in it which was helpful to you or perhaps a colleague or friend, whether you're a new starter or a seasoned professional. If you've been affected by anything you've heard in the podcast or want to find out more about organisations which can provide help and support, go to sawiot.com. .ac.uk forward slash the mindful apprentice.